Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Today our title is When Life Takes You a Different Direction. When Life Takes You a Different Direction. And uh, it's so appropriate uh, to do this as we are in the Advent season, which is often a low point spiritually for many of us uh, in our Christian lives, especially for those of us in leadership. It sure was for me for many, many years. It's just so easy to be uh, sucked into the just the demands and the pressures uh, around us coming from so many different directions. The anxiety that's in the air, the rushing that's in the air just naturally gets inside of us and uh, we find ourselves uh, bewildered and carried by forces that appear to be out of our control. And so our, our vision here is to become the culture that we want to see uh, around us, that we actually live it and embody it uh, first. So again, before I launch into this topic, uh, let me invite you to uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. And uh, it's a great ebook on six marks of a church culture that deeply changes lives is the title of the ebook. It takes about 15, 20 minute read, but we want, we want to embody those uh, qualities in ourselves, things like a uh, integrity and leadership, a slow down spirituality, healthy community, etc., uh, so that we can then can offer that to all those around us, from our families to our ministries, all those we influence. So again, it's emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. Now, this podcast today comes out of a summary I did uh, in, a, in a message after I preached a series of messages from the book of Isaiah a number of years ago. And there was a controlling illustration for me that I've come back to over and over again uh, that I want to open this podcast with. And it really summarizes the theme of when life takes you in a different direction. It comes out of a book called Welcome to Holland, Parenting a Special Needs Child by Emily Pearl Kingsley. She writes the following, I am often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it would feel. It's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks, you make your wonderful plans, the Colosseum, Michelangelo's David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. Then after months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives you pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy all my life. I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. And you must learn a whole new language. And you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. And Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy, and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that 
will never, ever, ever, ever go away. Because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. I remember Jerry and I uh, drove to a member of our church's home soon after their baby was born uh, with Down syndrome. And we sat in their living room and we shared this story uh, with them. And I've shared it many, many times over the years with people who have had things happen in life that have taken them in a very different direction. And I find it very helpful. Uh, Obviously, the author is referring to someone who has a child with a disability, but it actually is a great truth biblically uh, for us because it illuminates so much of Scripture where we have a plan for our lives as followers of Jesus uh, to take us to a certain place, and it doesn't happen that way. And God speaks to us very clearly, and again, especially in the book of Isaiah from where I'm going to take my comments uh, today. And I'll just introduce it with the Isaiah 30, 15, where, the, where it says the following. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. So I'm going to give you four uh, kind of themes here of what it means to embrace that God's not taking us where we thought we were going, but to a new place. And it's so appropriate uh, to bring this to bear, uh, as I'm recording this in the middle of a pandemic, uh, where it's raging apparently uncontrollably as we wait for vaccinations to hit the world and we go back to some kind of a semblance of uh, order and gathering together. Uh, but regardless of where you are this Advent, uh, here's four truths to hang on, um, regardless of what you're going through. The first is this, remember that God is on the throne. Remember that God's on the throne. And actually, Isaiah 6 begins with this text. Uh, It's about the call of Isaiah. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he had been king for 52 years, a king, a true king, unlike any since Solomon. Very good, powerful, prosperous. He had subdued enemies and developed his country economically. And it says in scripture, his fame was far and wide. Everything was secure under him, and then he dies. Uh, And right outside Israel's gates is the empire of Assyria, Uh, That's invading different countries, and they're pushing nearer and nearer and nearer, and there's a fear uh, that's beginning to seep into people's hearts. And uh, and so Isaiah sees this vision, and it's the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And he sees a a towering throne, and and Uzziah is not on it, or any earthly king. God is on it, and God's sitting. And the sitting is so important because God's relaxed, he's not anxious, uh, and it's and he 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 sees a seraph singing, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. He's high and exalted. He's God is other. He's above. He's majestic. He's the God of gods. He's he alone deserves to be called holy and incomparable. And he's completely different than we could ever imagine him to be. He is the Lord God Almighty, and literally means he's got everything in his grip. He's the ultimate power of the universe." So we may wonder, why am I in Holland? Why is life turning out this way? And God is on the throne. He's beyond us. We can't figure him out and we can't wrap our arms around his bigness and his massiveness. And 
it is true later the Israelites are going to find themselves surrounded by the uh, evil superpower of the Assyrians. And uh, later in the book, Sennacherib, the, the emperor, the king of Assyria, has captured all the cities in Judah, and then he's finally around, uh, surrounded Jerusalem. And the pressure on Jerusalem is relentless, inescapable. And Sennacherib, it says in scripture, has 500,000 soldiers, and he's incredibly confident that he's going to come wipe out Israel, uh, Jerusalem. And, and uh, he says over and over again, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? He says to the, to the believing uh, believers in God. He says, you're going to eat your own excrement. You're going to drink your own urine. Don't listen to those voices that say to trust in God. Don't listen to, you know, Hezekiah, the king, uh, basically saying, this is not Italy. Uh, you're in Holland and uh, this is the way it's going to be. And and then, you know, God speaks and he speaks through Isaiah. And, and, and again, the Lord's on the throne is the message. And it says this in Isaiah 40, surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He who brings out, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. He who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. God calls each star by name. Wow. And he surprises us and he meets us in all kinds of places. Even when we find out the plane landed in Holland, uh, just like I, I'm just so aware of how this pandemic in particular has really upended the way we do church and uh, the way we gather, the way we make disciples, the way we develop leaders. And uh, it's a new journey. Uh, but God has something wonderful for us here on this journey. And uh, and there, there is in, in Isaiah 6, it speaks about stumps. So the holy seed will be a stump in the land, and it closes Isaiah and his call from God in Isaiah 6 gets this vision of, of stumps in the land, that something holy is going to come up, come from it. And stumps, stumps represent death and uh, something ugly, not beautiful. Uh, and unlikely from all appearances, a stump, like nothing as good is going to come from this. God says, no, a, a shoot is going to come from the stump of Jesse. The kingdom of God is going to come out of what looks like nothing, something insignificant, powerless. And uh, again, much like the, the parable of the sower and a seed, something that appears almost invisible. So, and the point is, you can trust God even when there's only stumps around us. And it looks like nothing good's going to be happening. And so the question is, as we kind of bring the close this first point, is where in your life is it hard for you to believe that God's on the throne? Uh, and I want to invite you to take a nice deep breath. Uh, as we are in this full season of, of Advent, and what stumps are in your life that you resent and things you want to ignore and you find ugly that you want to get rid of. And again, we find ourselves in a global pandemic. We've been thrust into a transition that we didn't plan for, uh, but God is doing something. And you may find yourself again in some uh, a marriage or in some relationships with great pain and difficulty, and God's on a throne and he's moving somewhere in that. There's a stump there in there for you. I, I mean, Jerry and I had a uh, a conflict just last week, and it was it was a couple of days of pain. But out of that came a stump of something you know really rich for me personally, my own discipleship and growing in Jesus, and uh, shadows and areas, and I just had become blind to. And and again, there's nothing like a marriage to bring those to, to bear and the crucible uh, of that. And uh, or again. Maybe maybe you're, you're you're so struggling in your work, uh, or maybe you've made some mistakes and you've wasted some years and made some mistakes and it's like lots of stumps around you. And but listen, everybody, unless we see God sitting on His throne, the whole earth is filled with His glory. 
uh, we're not going to see him in the little things like stumps. Uh, we'll end up hating them and wanting to get rid of them. We want to bulldoze them and axe them down and pave a highway and build a skyscraper over them, make us spike firewood. But uh, remember, uh, your destination or trip may not be as you planned it, uh, as like going to a place like Italy and you find yourself in Holland, uh, but God's very much on the throne. He's got something for you. Uh, but there's a second great truth here in, in the book of Isaiah, and that is this, that you can expect disorientation repeatedly. Uh, you can expect disorientation repeatedly you know, throughout your journey. Uh, and so often we don't understand or can't see the implications. We can't even see the season that we're in. Um, we're not just in the season of Advent. We're actually in the season of a pandemic, a global pandemic that hasn't happened in over 100 years. And imagine if it's 30 years from now, you're 30 years older than you are right now, and you're and you're looking back and you're now talking to yourself now. What would you say to yourself about this season? Um, I, I, I imagine there would be a, a lot more like, it's going to be okay. You know, take a nice deep breath. God's doing something. And Israel, God's people, always seem to have a hard time accepting this through scripture because we do. Every time things seem stable, boom, it seems like God pulls the rug out from under us and we find ourselves disoriented again. Another season of disorientation, another bomb goes off. And that is the great theme of of the Psalms, according to, uh, as Walter Brueggemann describes in his work on Psalms. We have you know, scriptures about orientation, things are stable and secure. Then we get disoriented, they're painful and we're dislocated, we're baffled and bewildered and overwhelmed. And then finally, in God, we become reoriented into a new place of security and relocation. Uh, it's like, again, we, we, you know, we said, oh, God, I'm in this crisis, this difficult, this painful, confusing experience. Um, and again, for the, for the Israelites, the Assyrians did eventually get conquered by the Babylonians. The Babylonians did eventually, uh, you know, wipe out uh, is Jerusalem. And they ended up being carried away for 70 years. And Isaiah, you know, they made the best of it. And, and Isaiah tells them, yes, the Persian Empire is going to be conquered by Babylon. And then Babylon's going to conquer you. And you're going to make a 500 to 900 mile journey away from Jerusalem. You are going to be disoriented. And they just can't believe that God would do this. Uh, and they get angry. They're stubborn. They're afraid. This is ridiculous. They say to themselves. And, and, and again, the, the word of the Lord for us and the word for you, the word for me today to carry with us to not just... To, for ourselves to, to rest, but to all those around us is disorientation is the norm. We can be expected. Um, and the Lord says in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You can quit God, you can blame God, you can get mad. Uh, we can do that. Uh, but God issues us an invitation. And uh, that transitions in life are normal. That's why grief and loss is such an important uh, uh, biblical truth to engage. And I had a pastor say to me recently who just finished uh, the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, he, he realized, he goes, if I don't embrace my own pain and losses, uh, I really don't have anything to give to those who are in pain around me. I mean, he saw the connection and the greatest gift, again, the ultimate gift you can give to those around you is the authentic you in Jesus who's in a process. And you too can say from a deep place, yeah, this was not the destination or trip I had planned, uh, but I'm in Holland and there's beautiful things here and God's here doing something. 
And that brings me now to the third great truth uh, in the book of Isaiah, actually in scripture, and a great truth for us in Advent, it's this, that waiting patiently for God is the foundation of the spiritual life, that waiting patiently for God is the foundation of the spiritual life. It's been properly said that the devil, our adversary, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. Noise, hurry, and crowds. And there's no way we feel that more uh, acutely than in days like today before Christmas. And that's why the word of Jesus, of course, always withdrew to lonely places uh, to pray. And the great desert father's theme uh, in, the, in the third to the fifth centuries was go to your cell, a place where you can be alone, and your cell will teach you everything. And for me, it's the chair to my left as I'm sitting here at my desk. That is my cell. And I look out of that single tree in front of my house. Uh, and I just am able to be silent and still and focus. Uh, we each need a place to get us free from the outer noise and the inner noise around us. And it really is a wrestling with demons. Uh, and that's what the church fathers and the desert fathers talked about so much. And so Isaiah says in uh, Isaiah thirty fifteen, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength. That is such a great verse to memorize and meditate on through Advent. I encourage you, write it down, put it in your wallet, pull it out when you're online at the store, uh, when you're walking, going for a walk. It's just so deep. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And it says later in the text that they they choose horses instead. That is the glamour weapons of the day. It's like they put their security in their 401k, uh, their jobs, all these external circumstances, and they choose not to wait on the Lord, but they insist and they end up on running, hesh, ru- rushing headlong into disaster. But I love it because this is what the sovereign Lord says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. That word repentance is I'm constantly turning to Jesus. I'm turning around to him. And, and really, it's got this also in the original Hebrew root, I'm sitting, uh, I'm at home, and I'm letting go of my own efforts and, and my own self-reliance, kind of like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I, in repentance, I'm turning to him and, I'm, and, and rest. And in repentance and rest is your salvation. And that rest very simply is like, take it easy, you know, relax. It's the absence of frenzy. It's not a call to irresponsibility. Uh, actually, uh, we're called in this text to, to initiative and take responsibility, but to realize that our success, quote, doesn't depend on our plans uh, and our efforts or our programs. It's it's in quietness and trust is your strength, says the Lord. And again, the word quietness, again, is a theme of settle down. And trust, you know, be at ease. Uh, you know, I, I love when he says later, Isaiah 40, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope or those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. And you know, those who wait on the Lord, or those who hope in the Lord, because waiting on the Lord is hoping in the Lord. And so the foundation, waiting patiently for God, to understand this isn't just like, oh, let me do that today. Let me uh, let me bring make this a theme, you know, for the year. No, this is the foundation of the entire Christian life. Is I'm I'm waiting patiently on the Lord. In fact. Do you understand? We will spend eternity waiting on the Lord, not for something. We're simply waiting on him, the person of God. That's why when you're rushing, 
and what I'm rushing, it is an oil light in the car indicating something is wrong. It's flashing with the engine. You better stop because the engine's going to blow. And when you find yourself rushing, ask yourself, what am I bypassing right now? What anxiety am I carrying that I need to bring to God? And as Vincent de Paul said many, many decades ago, uh, generations ago, the one who hurries delays the things of God. The one who hurries delays the things of God. And so when I don't, when I don't wait, I forget that I'm serving a God who, who doesn't forget. And, and, you know, he's engraved, it says in Isaiah 49, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And we feel that so often. God, you've left me. And, and then the Lord says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. So again, you know, God's engraved us in the palm of our hands. So maybe your destination or your plans for this year and your family and your friends and your ministry has been, we're going to Italy. And all of a sudden you find out, no, this plane is not landing in Italy. It has landed in Holland. And you had a set of plans, but you find out God's got another. And God says, I've got something for you. Your life is actually packed with meaning. And uh, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust really is your strength, Isaiah 30, 15. So you want to make some adjustments. Let me invite you. I, I'm making adjustments this, this, uh, you know, this December, this Advent, with all the, again, the Russian anxiety around me of how I'm doing my, my days with God, my rhythm in my days, again, offices and silence, my Sabbath, um, the, the kind of time I need to remain centered and rested. Uh, I, I used to take the, the week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, just to be to be quiet, to rest, to kind of an extended Sabbath. And then I found out even that was not enough. I just needed to, to again make greater adjustments. And again, we're all built differently. And I want to how what adjustments might you need to make, you know, this this day, this week, this month for yourself. So you can be again a gift, be the culture and the gift that you want to create for those around you. Now the fourth and final truth I want to share with you uh, comes out of actually Isaiah 61. And that's this. So uh, that God invites you and me to join him in transforming the world. God invites us to to, to join him in, uh, in transforming the world. He, he is, you know, he's doing that. And it says in Isaiah 61, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities they have, that have been devastated for generations. You get this great picture at Isaiah 60 to 66, those chapters of God renewing everything in the world, relationships, politics, commerce, even vegetation. That's the very reason God came in the person of Jesus to die and rise from the dead is redeem and renew every part of the world, physically, spiritually, emotionally, to bring all things under him. And so we're rebuilding. We're joining him in rebuilding the ancient ruins that exist in our broken world. There's, There's brokenness all around us. And what an important work. I mean, you... I mean, God chose you to be here on earth at this moment in history because he's inviting you and inviting me to give away our time, our gifts, our talent, our energy. On behalf of, uh, of, of the world, we join God in what he's doing. Uh, but we want to do it in such a way as we join God in that, okay, we remember he's on the throne, uh, absolutely. We, um, we understand that uh, disorientation is the norm. Uh, we understand that waiting on God is the foundation of spiritual life, but but we also remember that, okay, we're joining him in this process of, of bringing the kingdom of God to the world, but we understand that this kingdom that he uh, is bringing is always appears small and little. Uh, it's a stump. It appears insignificant. Uh, it's a mustard seed. 
uh, it's small. So we don't we don't buy into the world's definitions of again success and greatness and what looks like effective. And we embrace our limits. We we we, we embrace our limits, uh, and we receive God's gift of limits in the process. And so so there's so much that you could be doing, right? Hosting and decorating and gift giving and additional services and emergencies and the list is endless. Uh, but if we end up doing and more than God's inviting us to do, when we cross the line of God's limits for us, we end up very weary, very, very weary. And uh, I love what John the Baptist said uh, in John 3, a person can receive only what is given him or her from heaven. Uh, we've got limits of our time, energy, intellect, uh, fullness, and these are his gifts to us. And there are all kinds of red lights. And uh, boy, I mean, I'm learning this lesson uh, more deeply than ever after uh, you know, 40 plus years. Uh, I can feel it in my body when I'm resting, uh, when I'm, I'm moving through life and I haven't overcommitted myself. And uh, again, every time in scripture we find uh, people crossing limits, we think of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve crossing the boundary of the line of eating from the tree of good and evil. It was rebellion. Uh, and when I find myself doing more than God's asked me to do, being overloaded, stressed out, um, it's 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 a it's a symptom of rebellion. So I, 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 I right today I'm in a really good place. You know, I have been for the last you know few days. But again, I mentioned last last week I I was not. I took on a commitment that was didn't hand didn't think through all the steps needed to do it, and I was stressed, and it leaked out into all those around me, uh, not just in me, but in uh, family, and then, of course, in the larger ministry. That's why we want to become the culture we want to create, and we want to listen to the Father, obviously, and ask for wisdom. So Jerry and I have learned to stop doing a lot uh, during the holidays, uh, the way we do Christmas cards and gifts and parties and plans and all that, and to make adjustments based on our limits so we can be Jesus and the kind of uh, persons that offer him to the world in a great way. Remember, the greatest gift that you and I give to the world is who we are. It's not what we do. It's not the card or the gift. It's us. It's being present with ourselves, present with God, and of course, present with people. And that requires staying deeply connected to the Father and to ourselves uh, amidst all the pressure swirling around us. So what's the destination you planned? You know, was it Italy? And now you find yourself in Holland. Um, and you're not going to Italy as you thought. God loves you too much for that. But he does have wonderful new things for you in this place in which you find yourself. The key is entrusting yourself to his hands. So again, let me invite you to uh, check out that free ebook uh, at emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture. Uh, on six marks of a church culture that deeply changes lives. And we want to be those six marks in ourselves, and then we give it to those around us. You can find that on our website at emotionallyhealthy.org. I want to thank you so much. It's been a real joy to be with you. It's been such a joy for me to prepare this, uh, speaking to myself again and allowing biblical truth to just soak in me and wash over me. And uh, I pray it does the same for you, and you have some time perhaps to even look up some of those scriptures and allow them to soak into your soul. God bless everybody. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful to be with you. You have a great day.